We are back on the price point, and we have Drake Wirtz on the line. We're so excited to talk to him. Uh, as I mentioned, a WWE referee uh, we have on the line. So we'll get him on now. Drake, how are you today? Luke, I am doing fantastic, brother. I'm blessed and grateful and happy to be here with you on your podcast. I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. I, I played college baseball, and but honestly out of all sports i'm the, the biggest wwe fanatic so this is kind of ner- i'm nerding out a little here <laughs> that's awesome man good to hear Just, i i uh, identify with you wholeheartedly <laughs> <laughs> well that's good um so before before we get into the the meat of this interview tell us a little bit about your background where you grew up um you know how be, how you became a wrestling fan uh, fans of other sports. If, if you're if you're a fan of other sports, just just life growing up. What was uh, Drake Wirtz like as a kid, and then um, as you transitioned into professional wrestling? Yeah, man, I'd love to. So I was born uh, I was born in Southern Indiana, and then I was raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I was surrounded by all kinds of sports, and um, you know, I'm a guy in my mid 30s. I was born in 1984, right at the beginning of Hulkamania and the big rock and wrestling boom, and oh, yeah. so. You know, during that during that time, Saturday mornings, you know, I was I was planted in front of my TV for hours. You know, Saturday mor- Saturday mornings, I'll be watching wrestling. Sunday night, be watching wrestling. Um, you know, eventually in the mid '90s, when it got to Mondays, you know, I'd be glued there as well. Um, it was just just part of my upbringing. So I was a fan of of wrestling from from the jump. You know, and then uh, we were fortunate on our local cable access. I was able to get exposed to a lot of different wrestling. We had the the Memphis territory of like USWA and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and obviously we had obviously we had WWE, uh, WCW, uh, got ECW in there as well. Later on, even got OVW and XPW. So I just was able to just kind of see everything. Yeah, where we were at there, being in the middle of the country, was awesome. And then as far as other sports, uh, growing up, huge baseball fan. Uh, we had a great. Well, we still do. Uh, I, I sometimes you'll hear, hear me say we. Uh, you know, I'm a Floridian now, but like at my heart, I'm a Hoosier. So, oh know, yeah, I'll still, I'll, I'll still refer to you know. That's just natural, you know, that we do. We refer to we. But uh, Indianapolis still has a great minor league baseball team. It's unfortunate they're not playing this year, but uh, the Indianapolis Indians. Yeah. So I was I would I, I would grow up and go. Uh, I would go watch them at the old Bush Stadium, and then they transitioned to Victory Field and. Uh, just a lot of memories going to going to watch games there, um, and then I was also a huge, you know, amateur wrestled in school um, through the shot put and stuff. But amateur wrestling was kind of my main thing as, as far as other sports that I participated in growing up. Yeah, and and uh, you said Indianapolis Indians. I, I grew up in Nashville. My family's still all in in Nashville, um, and we we had we had the Nashville Sounds, and we played. Uh, mm-hmm. We played the Indianapolis, not we. I say we too. I'm from Tennessee, so <laughs> I think it's just that like Eastern uh, Midwest part of the country that. Uh, so when you said when you said we, I knew exactly what you're talking about because I still do the same. Um, so is there a moment or um, like when or what moment was it when you decided to just kind of take the career path in professional wrestling? And if you had somebody that was like a big influence on you in kind of helping you. Um, make that decision and kind of shape you and mold you into into taking that route. Who was that? So if you can if you can give us the listener uh, a little bit of background in that, or if it was something that you just said, you know what, I'm good at this. I really like it. This is what I grew up watching. Um, I'm going to do it. We well, have yeah, getting into amateur wrestling. Honestly, I mean, the reason I did is I, th- I thought that like 
that was how you got into pro wrestling, you know. And then I showed up to practice, and there was just a mat over a basketball floor, and there's no ropes and no turnbuckles, and <laughs> I was like, oh wow, this is wasn't what I expected. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but you know, it, it definitely taught me, you know, discipline, accountability, you know, stuff like that, uh, work ethic, dedication. Uh, but I can pinpoint to the moment the exact time that I said to myself that I wanted to be. Um, to actually make a go out of being in professional wrestling. I was actually uh, April 5th, 1992. Mm -hmm. It was uh, in Indianapolis at the old Hoosier Dome, um, and it was WrestleMania 8. My dad and my uh, my dad and my uncle had gotten tickets for WrestleMania. Uh, it was a, a record crowd at that time. It, you know, biggest biggest crowd since WrestleMania 3, which was in Pontiac Silverdome in 87. That yep. was you know, that was over 93,000 people. Um, it was, at the top of my head, I think it was 60-something thousand people at the at the Hoosier Dome. And so I was there, and that, that was my first time being, I'd gone to WWE events before, mm -hmm. but this was my first time being at a mega, you know, mega event. This was oh, yeah. WrestleMania, so I got to see the pageantry, I got to see the size of everything, you know, uh, the, the, the spectacle of the national anthem, the, the huge entrances, the pyro, all of that, that was all very cool, but the moment that that captivated me is I was sitting in the stands, and we were up in the, you know, the quote-unquote cheap seats, yep. but I'll never forget it. It was Brett the Hitman Hart versus Rowdy Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental Championship, and those two, like, before then, hadn't necessarily been my, my guys, so uh -huh. to say, uh, but... That match was just incredible because at the time I was almost eight years old and it was it was two good guys wrestling, you know. And Correct. So was it like, wasn't oh, it wasn't a it wasn't a face on a hill. It was two, you know, yep. two good guys that yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. They don't do that as much anymore. Yeah, it was it was two competitive two competitive baby faces just having a competitive rivalry for for a, for a grand prize of the Intercontinental Championship and just the story they told in the match even at that young age just just really drew me in. Um, and it was an instance where, where Bret Hart was bleeding, too, and I, the, the story of the blood being involved in the match just kind of took it a little more deeper for me, and I was just really captivated not only with the athleticism and um, in, the, in the story that they told, but just the way it was executed. And then at the end, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper hands, hands you know, Bret the championship, gives him his kudos, gives him, leaves the ring, gives him center stage, it was just all amazing. So that right there, that was the moment where I was like, "Wow, I want to be involved in this, however I can." Yeah, that's incredible. And I remember, I remember that match. Um, of course, now yeah. it's easier to remember because you have the the WWE Network, and you can go back and watch any of the pay per views the last, you know, whatever amount of years. So I think right. I watched that within the last year or two. So of course I remember that. But um, it, you know, it, it's. I think you mentioned WrestleMania three in the Silverdome. I think that was the, uh, if I remember right. Um, I, of course, I was a baby then, but it it was when uh, Hogan picked up Andre the Giant, right? And it was the body That's slam. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep, so that, Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I thought it was that one. And then uh, a few years ago, when they were at the Superdome in New Orleans, of course, Hogan gets on the mic to open up the show and just completely butchers, <laughs> <laughs> butchers the. Yeah, he kept calling it the Silver Dome, and then didn't realize why they were booing him. But, um, yeah. but that's awesome. I, I, honestly, I would. If if I could choose one thing, and I'm a, like a diehard sports fan, if I could choose between you know Super Bowl, World Series, Stanley Cup Finals, NBA Finals, or WrestleMania, I'm choosing WrestleMania every time. I just am. <laughs> There's not even a. I wouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah. Um, 
man. So your wrestling career, you started, you started um, obviously, and you named some of those tours earlier in this conversation. Um, you know, growing up in Nashville, I knew about Memphis and then, you know, Ohio Valley, um, all that, all that stuff. Tell, tell the listeners, you know, kind of where you started, uh, the different, the different circuits you were on, the different championships you won. Um, and, and, you know, what life is like in those circuits. I know that, um, I was fortunate enough to meet a few, a few wrestlers and the Usos, I remember I was bartending, um, this was, you know, seven, eight years ago and they were awesome. They sat at the bar, talked to me, asked them a few questions, not as a fan, just as, you know, casual conversation. And, um, they were really great. And they told me, they told me how hard it is to travel, um, you know, as a WWE superstar, how, um, you know, just the exhausting flights and, you know, you're, you're wrestling five, six nights a week sometimes. So it's yeah. got to be a lot tougher, too, in those other circuits that you mentioned. Um, so kind of talk about that. And, and I'm sure that, um, you know, like showing up on the mats on the gym floor with no, you know, no turnbuckles, no ropes. How did that humble you? And how did how did you get through? It's like it's like a minor league baseball player just spending 15 years in the minors. Um, how did that humble you and shape you into who you are now? Yeah, very much so. So uh, how I kind of got into the independent circuit, I was watching, I remember I was watching ECW, and there was a commercial uh, for a local event. It was IWA. I'll never forget it. And I went there, and I saw, and it was like a very, very intimate atmosphere. There might have been mm, 100 people there. It was at this old abandoned grocery store. And I was like, oh, wow, this is different. Okay. And then I was like, oh, these are my seats. And I was like right by the ring. And, uh, you know, I... I Abdul the Butcher was there, uh-huh. and and that was and he terrified me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, just it was just kind of I was like, oh wow, so there is a, a, a for lack of a better term, a minor league circuit for for guys to get involved in. Okay, uh-huh. so so whenever I turned um, I turned sixteen, uh, you know I, I participated in the extracurricular activity of, of backyard wrestling. You know, as a lot of kids in the, the late nineties, early two thousands did. But oh yeah, certainly don't recommend. Certainly don't recommend it, but that was, you know, kind of the phase at the time. Exactly. Uh, I, I got formal, formally trained whenever I turned 16. Uh, so I was a sophomore, junior in high school. And on Wednesday nights, we were driving three hours. Actually, Wednesday during the day, right after, you know, right after school, we were driving three hours down to Evansville, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, train, training before the show, uh, doing little spots and bits on the show, and driving, driving back and, you know, they were in central time zone, so we'd lose an hour coming back, and then I'd get back and just, like, have a couple hours of sleep and get right to class the next day. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of a, a wild wild way of, like, you know, really finding your dedication to, to what you want to do. Um, fast forward, I you know, with I got involved with IWA Mid-South, and they were kind of the, the top Midwest independent promotion at the time. And, you know, I took a chance on myself and I was like, you know what, um, they were having their King of the Deathmatch tournament uh, where, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like a hardcore style where, you know, they'll use, they'll use barbed wire and thumbtacks and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I was like, well, you know, I need to get I need to take a chance on myself and, and if this can help me stand out and kind of get out of just get out of the Midwest and get in get into traveling and get booked in other places and Absolutely. let's go for it. Yeah. And so the moment that kind of, I guess, uh, was my big break, uh, I, I did the, I did this match. Uh, Luke, you're going to laugh, but I did the, uh, a barefoot thumbtacks match. Okay. <laughs> oh and <laughs> and uh, with the, uh, a, a good friend of mine who's unfortunately no longer with us, JC Bailey. And uh, we, 
Uh, that was at that time, 2005, 2006. You know, getting on a good DVD and getting distributed with DVDs. There was there was a good market for that, and that's kind of how you got your name out there. That and um, kids kids these days won't really remember it, but MySpace as yep. well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, top eight, uh, top eight. When oh, Tom was already, he was always putting himself in your top eight. Always, always. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's you know the, they'll never know the struggle of of, of deciding who's going to be in your top eight. Oh man, that uh, was brutal. Yeah. So uh, you know, I got so that match went really well, and then I got contacted from Combat Zone Wrestling. It was out in Philadelphia. Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually ran at the old. They actually ran events at the old ECW arena. Yep. And I got booked for them to come do the tournament of death, and then had a had a good showing there. And then from then on, man, it was just um, you know every weekend you kind of. I, I couldn't keep a working phone number at the time. I decided, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on wrestling. Like I I'm not gonna necessarily have a uh, a day you know, regular job. Yeah. You know, quote unquote. You know. It's not something I would recommend, but there's times where, hey man, you just gotta bet bet on yourself and go for it. And so I, I went all in on wrestling. I remember uh, a buddy of mine, Scotty Vortex. He, you know, we would we would go to the uh, the local college computer lab because like I, I couldn't keep a working phone number at the time. You know, I was hardly able to pay the rent. And we uh, we would go in there and get on get on MySpace and just kind of put up, <laughs> you know, promote ourselves, send out pictures. Uh, that's why we get like flight information to go to CZW so you know so I could get there and just that's just how it was at the time yeah uh, you know what I mean we, we were living we were living in a studio apartment and um, and just making every single booking that we could just to get our name out there and, and to get experience and be around be around people that were better wrestlers than us so that way we could learn mm-hmm. and, and you know just kind of make a buzz for ourselves so I mean it, it, the travel and the independent circuit you know it could range from you know, there was times where we would rent a 15-passenger van, and some guys from Chicago would drive down to Indianapolis, and we'd pile in this pile in this van, and we'd drive 13 hours up to Philadelphia. Um, you know, to, to to do to do a show, and you might do have double duty and work two matches that night. They might both be death matches, so you might have to shower up, pull some sacks out of your head, and then <laughs> drive, and then drive 13 hours back, and then go to your you know your your, your regular job the next day yeah. with a bandage on your head having to answer questions of what the heck happened to you over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, you know, there's those instances and then there's times where, you know, I can remember when I first got booked for in, in Germany, um, you know, I certainly didn't have a cell phone that worked over there at the time. Yeah. This was also, also during the MySpace days. So, you know, I get, I'm getting my first international plane ticket. I've never left the country before. Um, I think, you know, I'm, getting on a plane and, and, and then I'm, you know, get two or three connections and finally I land in Dusseldorf, Germany and there's supposed to be somebody to pick me up there. Don't necessarily know what they look like. Don't have a way to communicate with them, but like, I'm just, you know, <laughs> and so you're just, you just land and hopefully somebody picks you up or you might have to land and you might have to take two, two trains to get to the hotel that you're staying at, and, you know, and Obviously, it's not going to be in English, you know, reading the train station and stuff. So there's just a lot of times where you got to really just navigate the waters that you're in, and um, and man, you really you really appreciate when you're at the level of being in WWE. You really, you know, it makes you really appreciate it. Uh, 
that haven't gone through those times of, of you know the travel on the independent circuit. Man, I, that's well answered. That's exactly what you know I wanted to hear. So thank you for spending some time on that one. I what's what's crazy is. Um, the the similarities in, in in what you mentioned earlier uh, before we started the interview, I'm, I've talked about um, you know who I've interviewed and stuff for the show, and some of the stories that some of my musician friends or um, not necessarily even friends, guys that have just jumped on the on the podcast, the stories of of how you make it in music, and, and you had mentioned hanging around you know wrestlers that were better than you, and and to be honest, that's that's exactly what they said about. Hey, you know, I'm I'm the songwriter I am today because I was with you know so and so and so and so and yep. um, so the travel was the same. I remember my brother was a merch manager for um, for uh, Sean McConnell, who's a up and coming star in Nashville. Um, and I would I would go sometimes with him and, and ride the bus. It was like you know twelve thirteen guys just trying to get some um, you know some exposure. And so yeah. it, it's just it's just weird how not weird. It's it's cool how um, you know that life is so similar in, in different worlds. And, um, it's just, it's just crazy to hear the similarities in those stories. And, and then also you mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the barefoot thumbtack match. Did Tommy dreamer have anything to do with that? Uh, he, he did not. No, I, I, I did not know Tommy at the time. That was, uh, that was a project of another ECW alumni, Ian Rottens. Who, okay. Who also helped train me as well. You know, quick story, Luke. You're talking about travel. You know, something's just just popping up in my memory bank because I haven't I haven't thought about those times in so long. Because you know, you're we're just constantly kind of on the go in WWE. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're you know laser focused on what's ahead of us. There was a there was a weekend I remember in 2006 where uh, we started out in Chicago and I in the Chicago area and I I, I it was a, a tournament called the Strong Style Tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just you know hard. Hard-hitting, you know, uh, hard-hitting kind of smash-mouth wrestling, right? Yep. So I, 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 did, I went to the finals of that. Uh, I ended up wrestling uh, C.J. Otis, Eddie Kingston, and the Necro Butcher. Okay, so that's a rough night at the office in itself. Do that, get uh, get in the car, drive, get get down I-65, and drive all the way down to Pell City, Pell City Alabama. Uh, <laughs> get in a hotel, get a, get a few hours of sleep, and then I'm... Then I'm in the IWA Deep South Deathmatch Tournament that night. So now i got three death matches that i got to do. Oh, my I, gosh. I go to the finals of that, and that's a 200 light tubes match. And, <laughs> and brother, at the end of that weekend, I was, <laughs> I was, I, it was so rough, and I was like, wow, okay, I feel like, I feel like I'm starting to earn my stripes a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And that, that, uh. Pell City, Alabama. Not a lot there. I've been there many times or through there. So you you don't have anything that you can go and say. You know what? I got to get my mind off of this and go watch a movie or or something. No. So you just have to you just have to live with the fact that you just you put your body through. You know what? For um, you know however many matches you just had. Yeah, six six matches, two days. Oh my uh, gosh, that's insane. Twelve twelve hour twelve hour drive one way. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it, I, it, it was a you know, not a desirable motel to stay at either. But no, it is what it is, man. they don't have they don't have a Ritz Carlton or anything like that there. I don't think. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't able to use any uh, Hilton points. No. no, yeah, yeah. But hey, man, chasing the dream, man. That's what we were. That's what we were doing. You know, yeah. I would have done it. I would have done it every week. Yeah, there's beauty and there's beauty in that because it 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 just shows you. And you mentioned it earlier. Now that you're on the WWE circuit, just uh, there's a little bit of pride that comes with that. Um, you know, yes, just. Sir. 
making it through it and, uh, you know, being on the other side where it's like, gosh, I, I did all that and I'm living the dream now. Um, and I, and mentioning WWE, talk about for a second, your, your transition into WWE and, and, uh, you know, becoming an official. And, and also, uh, there were a few people that reached out to me that knew about, um, that you were the referee for the, uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, fight with, um, I believe it was two WrestleManias ago. Um, Ronda Rousey and uh, Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie. How did that come about, and how cool was that? Because I remember watching that match, and it just showed it really displayed the um, the athletic ability that Ronda has. I mean, she was an be- absolute beast. So how how was that standing in the ring as a fan, just being like, oh my gosh, this this lady's for real? Absolutely. So yeah, unpacking your question, transitioning into a referee. Uh, I, I you know. In 2000, uh, gosh, 2011, 2012, I uh, made a decision to uh, get clean and sober, right? So I, mm-hmm. I, I got, into re- got into recovery, man, and my life changed. Um, and, and through that and through, through you know, finding sobriety and, find, and getting clean and sober, I was able to kind of work on my, my body more and work on my work more. So I started getting in the gym. Before that, I was never like a gym guy. Right? Uh-huh. I just kind of said whatever. But so... You know, I started working on myself, working on my fitness, and then uh, I was thunder there in the background. But anyway, I so I, I started really applying myself to wrestling, and uh, you know, I eventually I reached out to WWE, you know, because I had stopped doing death matches. I made the decision like I was just gonna go, you know, uh, not not do that kind of stuff anymore. You know, I had two kids, so yeah. I, just, I didn't need to come home all cut up and stuff. I Absolutely. Kinda, I, Proving myself in that realm, so now it was time to just show people that I could go without all the weapons and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was like, hey, you know, what the heck? What do I get to lose? Let me try reaching out to WWE and see what happens. So I just sent them a resume and an email. And I was living in Northern California at the time, near Sacramento. They okay. came to they they came to Sacramento and San Jose. They called me and said they wanted to book me as an extra talent. I was like, sweet, this is awesome. And I'll never forget this, Luke. Okay, like this is this is really cool. Like I'm kind of getting goosebumps thinking about this. Um, so my, my, you know, my wife and I, we had our daughter and she was pregnant with our second child at the time. And I was working three jobs at the time to kind of, to kind of get by. I was, you know, wrestling on the weekends. I was working at a hotel. Uh, that was my fallback career, I guess, but Mm -hmm. I was working at a hotel and doing front desk operations. And then I was also coaching wrestling at a local gym as well. So, you know, I was working three jobs to kind of get by and, um, and I'll never forget, like, the day before WWE Raw in Sacramento, where I was going to go be an extra talent, I came home, and my wife had this brand-new suit for me in, in the, uh, uh, hanging up in the closet. I said, honey, where'd you get this? She goes, well, I got it for you. I said, honey, like, we can't, we can't afford this. She goes, yes, we can. She said, you go to there tomorrow, and you go there on Tuesday. She said, you, you look your absolute best. You dress for the job you want, not the job you have. We yeah, absolutely yeah. can do this. So I was like... Wow, I, you know, I just tried to thank God for my wife. Like she believed in me in times where I didn't believe in myself, and yeah, I just I can't I can't say enough how amazing it is to have such a, a powerful woman of faith by my side each and every single day. Like I wouldn't be anywhere uh, without her. She's incredible. So um, anyway, I you know I did the extra talent booking. Uh, I was in this little segment where I got thrown around by Ryback, and um, <laughs> yeah, during his the time where he was kind of being a being a bully i think it was and uh yeah the whole uh, feed me more thing i think is what his yeah. thing was yeah <laughs> yeah he threw me over a table i kind of you know 
went went over tea kettle on the on the concrete and um, somehow or another, you know, I ended up getting a tryout at the newly newly built WWE Performance Center in Orlando. Yeah. So I, in my mind, I was like, okay, sweet, I I'm getting a tryout with WWE. You know, maybe nothing will come from it, but at least I can say I got a tryout. Absolutely. So I got a tryout. You know, three day three day camp. They're brutal um, and, and mentally and physically. Incredible experience, though. And at the end of the tryout camp, um, William Regal, who's mm-hmm. our head talent, head talent scout, he yep. came up to me. And, and, and you know, I, I knew I was nearing toward the end of my run. I'd kind of done a lot of damage to my body and stuff and, yeah. and everything. And he uh, he said, look, you know, he goes, you know, you, you're capable in the ring. We could, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, he said, you're capable, capable in the ring. Um, and he said, you know, look, if you come in, you might get a good few years here but he goes you know we may have an opportunity for a referee mm. coming up here and um he said, he said uh you know if that's something you'd be interested in you know it might might be a good opportunity for you i think you could have a nice career benefit you know be beneficial to us behind the scenes and stuff like that and i was and right there like i was like wow that's it that's what i want to do that's amazing you know, I, was, I, I was like that is exactly what i want to do and uh you know my and my wife prayed about it, that God's will would be done in our life. And I was just like, this would be amazing if this happened. And then for Valentine's Day 2014, I was working I was working my uh, day job at the, at the Holiday Inn there in Auburn, California. And I looked down at my cell phone, and, and I had a missed call from a Connecticut number. And I was like, oh, no, what is this? <laughs> so, Luke, I call that number back, and they don't answer, dude. And I'm like, oh, no. my gosh. That's... So like, uh, I, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to call back 90 times because then, the, you know, what I mean? so like, I wait like a few more minutes, try to call back again, no answer, and I'm like, oh, hey, this is straight words. I'm so sorry, Mr. Call, you know. And then finally, they um, they call back, and it was uh, our our head of town development, Canyon Seaman, and he informed me that they were offering me a job and a contract as a WWE referee, and that is that incredible. Was, yeah, that's it, man. And then so I had, you know, one month there to. To finish my career on the independent circuit, I had a I had a great time that month. Got to travel the world and just give back to the business that had given so much to me. Um, move, you know, move my family across the country to, to Orlando, Florida, and yep. then, you know, start started training at the Performance Center. And then we're fortunate enough to be around the best referees in the world. Sean Bennett, who was who was uh-huh. uh, a, a senior referee on Raw, he helped me out a lot. And then I got to be around a lot of the veterans and just being in the ring with some of the best talent that you know that have ever stepped through the ropes. And so that's kind of how my, my transition was. And I was totally at peace with putting wrestling behind me. Uh, I knew that, I knew that God had a plan for me professionally. And I knew that I knew that I, I, I needed to look at the longevity and what would be mo- more beneficial for my family as Absolutely. well. Uh, and so, you know, I just jump right into it. And, and honestly, man, I love it. I feel that's really what my calling is in, in wrestling is being a referee. And, and on top of that, it's, it's the best seat in the house, man, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, people are paying thousands of bucks for ringside tickets because I tried once. And I was like, I can't justify that. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're, uh, you're basically moving around the ring with these guys and just, uh, I mean, obviously you have a job to do, but h- how cool yeah. is it to just be in the ring and be like, oh, my gosh, I am literally right here watching – um, you know, I don't know if you, I'm just saying, I'm just naming like that CM Punk John Cena match at Raw in Dallas. I was actually at that one. Um, oh, wow. but that was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. And just, I thought about that. I was like, gosh, th- these referees have it, you know, they're living it. Um, and it was just, Absolutely. it was just cool. I, I thought that way. Um, so how cool is that? I mean, I mentioned the Ronda Rousey. 
I, re- I mentioned a Ronda Rousey match in that really loaded question that I apologize for. Um, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But how cool is that? I mean, she Kurt Angle is one of the best ever, in my opinion. Triple H is one of the best ever, in my opinion. And then Ronda Rousey just, you know, obviously the UFC is, is very similar, but the, it's different in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And she, it didn't look like, it didn't look like she had any rust. Um, she, she didn't look like a rookie. She just kind of took it to, took it to him. How, how was that? I know you were uh, the official for that match. Yeah, and, and, you know, and again, I apologize for giving long-winded answers. No, not at all. Referees don't get to talk much, so we do, we kind of just, we let it up. But no, you know, the opportunity to be the official in that match came about, because I was, you know, at the Performance Center, you know, uh, five days a week, and and Ronda was there training, uh, training with Kurt, you know, and and Triple H, and and Stephanie, and and I was there helping, you know, just being a hand and assisting in her training, and just being there, you know, letting her know, you know, mm-hmm. what, what the role of a referee does in the match yep. as, you know, working with the talent. And so I don't know if it was just because she felt comfortable or, you know, I'm, I'm NXT, so I'm one of Triple H's guys. Yeah. I don't know if he wanted to just give me the opportunity or if there was a trust factor there. But, you know, there's a lot of familiarity. But I was just, I was there at the performance center and helped out. And then, you know, I got the call that I was going to actually be in the match. And so I was ecstatic, man. That's... You want to talk about having the best seat in the house. So, <laughs> you know, WrestleMania, uh, you know, the Superdome, New Orleans. Uh, I'll never, I'll never in my life forget being in the being in the ring. Uh, there's uh, seventy eight thousand people there, Jeez. and then and the Triple H's music hits, and oh. then the motorcycles start revving, <laughs> and, the, and the, the camera wasn't on me. And thank God, and I knew there was no microphone on me, so like. When he's coming down the ring, I just literally, I was like, this is awesome, guys. <laughs> I was like, what? This is a I'm looking around, and I was like, wow. I was like, God, how did I get here? Exactly. incredible. So, and you know, just being being in the match, and there's, and, and I don't want to you know, understate this, like being a referee is incredibly difficult. That's why Oh, man, so I bet. Of, that's why there's so few of us, you know, we have to deal with so much communication. And, yeah. And we got to be in the right place at the right time. We can't take away from the match. Yep. Um, you know, we're responsible for a lot. You know, people get hurt or anything of the sort like that. Like, it's up to us to make sure the town's safe. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. But, yeah. man, when you're in a match like that, there is no other feeling like when you, you slide down for a count and you, <laughs> you put your hand down on that mat with all you got. One, two, and there's 78,000 people counting right with you. Like, it, it feels like you're like the composer of the match. Uh, you know, I kind of look, yeah. look at it like like the, uh, so the, 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 the wrestlers, the talent, like they, they kind of make the music. The commentators, they do, they provide the lyrics, you know, because mm. they're telling the story of the match. The referee's kind of the composer, you know what I mean? That's like, incredible, like, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, man, it feels so cool. It feels so cool. Oh my god, that's amazing! And 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 then you have seventy eight thousand people just watching to see if your hand hits the mat for the count of three, you know. And yeah. and when they kick out and you don't hit the mat, it's like, oh, just a just a crazy reaction. And I get goosebumps yeah. in, in that. I I do. And and I'm you know watching through a TV, so I can't imagine you being in there. Do you still get those nerves? Um, do you still get the goosebumps uh, when you're out there? Does it ever change? Before I go out there, absolutely. And whether it's whether it's a match at WrestleMania, a match at Takeover, or whether it's in front of you know 150 people at Cocoa Beach Armory, mm-hmm. I still get the, I still get those good nerves. Man. Yeah, you know what I mean. I really do. It's, it's, some guys don't know. Some guys are just cool as ice, and like I, I'm composed with it. But like I think it's more so I'm just excited. And like absolutely. When, 
whenever whenever it's time to hit, you know, go out go out to the ring, it's just I, I, just like a huge sense of gratitude comes about me. Like, man, I get to do this for a living. Like, that's this is awesome. That's absolutely incredible, and I'm a little jealous <laughs> now. After, <laughs> oh man, this is this is great. I'm I'm kind of uh, sitting back here. I know I'm doing the interview, but at the same time, I mean, this is all. A lot of this is new to me, and I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. So it's just I'm getting goosebumps talking to you about this. Um, we so I know I promised you we would let you go in 30 minutes, and I'm gonna I have just a couple questions left. Are you good to stick around for 10 more minutes, or? Yeah, you're you're fine. Again, you know, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm talking too much, man. You're, no, you're you're not at all. I, honestly, the, a good interviewer doesn't speak a lot, and a good interviewee is the one who should talk. So. I appreciate you being more informative than um, you know than I even than I even thought you'd be. So I, I it's not a big deal at all. I mean, some of our episodes go full go for an hour, so um, we yeah. we won't keep you that long. We'll let you go soon. But um, talk about real quick. Again, we only have a couple questions left, but talk about some like the business behind the curtain. I mean, everybody sees you know what happens in the ring, and now now with that uh, WWE Network, the the twenty four whatever, it kind of shows some stuff. Um, you know, I think they've, they've done four or five different episodes and, um, talk about like the camaraderie of, of wrestlers and, and, and things. And, um, you know, if, if one thing goes wrong or, or if everything goes right, how that, how that is communicated backstage when they, you know, when they walk off the entrance ramp and, and behind into the back, um, talk about that for a second and then we'll, uh, kind of continue this loaded question. So you're not having to remember everything I just asked you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, speaking about the camaraderie and, and behind the scenes, man, we are, uh, you, you know, we are we are a family. You mm-hmm. know, it may sound cheesy, but we really are. Like I'm during normal times, and I'm not I'm not right now. The answer I'm giving you is speaking during times that are not in a COVID shutdown Co- environment. Correct. I'm talking about just regular business as usual. I see I see the other referees and I see the the talent. I see them way more than I see my own family. Wow. You know, there are t- there are times when I go, you know, I'll go to TV, uh, and you know, you know, referees a lot of times we're you know responsible for building the ring. Uh, we're there all day for rehearsal. Um, you know, we work multiple matches on the show. Uh, we take down we take down the ring. Uh, I also do a couple other jobs as well. Like I book the extra talent. So wow. I'm involved with, you know, making sure their medical is processed, communicating with them, you know, processing, you know, just office logistics, payroll, stuff like that for them. And so, um, you know, I do a lot of that. And there are times where I will I will go and do that. I'll get home, you know, way after my kids are in bed, and then I'll wake up and go to the PC and work out and train, and I'll be gone way before my kids wake up the next morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just, time, there's just times like that where, like, I'm literally – you're you're in the go. You're around these these people uh, that you work with, you know, way more than your family. And so yes. we have to trust each other. And there are, and obviously there's there's we don't uh, a lot of us don't agree on a lot of stuff philosophically or or civil issues or whatever whatever that may be. But when it comes time to do business, we put that to the side and and we and we do business in the ring. And afterwards, we shake hands or hug or nowadays a fist bump or air high five, whatever. Yes. Uh, but, you know, we, you know, shake hands and hug, thank each other for the match, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, mm. and then we, uh, and then we pack up and go on to the next town and do it all again. You know, I mean, you have to trust each other, and that goes with the referee as well. Absolutely, you know, the talent has to trust you in the ring. Uh, you know, an instance where where things that can go can go awry, and the referee has to be, you know, a, a main point of 
contact and kind of be somebody to fall on or, or you know, take responsibility. Uh, earlier this year at the Worlds Collide WWE Network special that was it mm-hmm. uh, was in Houston, uh, there was an eight-man tag with Undisputed Era and Imperium. And early on, Alexander Wolf he uh, he got he got he took a kick to the head or something of the sort like that. He got knocked knocked silly, and I could tell that he was that he wasn't there, mm-hmm. right? And so like uh, so at that point, that's the referee's responsibility. I have to pause, suspend all action. Make sure that he's, you know, a responsive, and then I have to communicate that to to our medical staff in the back, yeah, uh, by by hand signal or microphone or whatever whatever it may be, that they need to get out there and they need to take care of this talent. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so so doing so, I have to, I have to do that. I have to make sure no, you know, everything stopped and paused. There's you know three or four people talking to my earpiece at the same time that that's going on, and I got to make Lord. sure that this. I can't. I get. You know, got to make sure this talent isn't being moved around in case there's any issues. You know, spinal issues or anything of the sort that I might not be aware of. And then I, you know, I got to make sure medical gets him taken care of. And then on top of that, I have to be able to um, be able to, you know, help be a piece of the puzzle to keep keep a match together that has to go 25 more minutes. Absolutely. And, and now every, you know, everything that they thought they were going to do is out the window. Yeah, is it at that point? At that point, what happens? Are you and I know you like you said you're you're a communicator in that ring. You're the you're the composer. Yeah. How do you how do you manage that? If if he was supposed to, um, you know, continue the match. If he was you know the last man standing or the you know the guy that uh, I guess if it's a was it an eight man um, elimination yeah. match or was it a four? You no. Know, it was a one fall match. So it, one it fall. Then turned, it then turned to four on seven. So at that point, luckily. I'm in the ring with seven incredible athletes yeah. that are that are that are total pros. Absolutely, uh, but it's just it's just up to me just to kind of keep keep traffic flowing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, guys, he's not he's not going to be in this match. We're going to keep it going. Here's what we're going to do. You know, and I, and I can't get too too depth you know into the the ways that we do the magic. No, correct, correct. No, yeah, but but they, but at that point, it is you know uh, it's. The talent has to execute, and they're awesome. That's uh, great. But the referee has to be there, and the referee can't be shook. He's got to be able to be confident, and he's got to be able to, you know, once you make a call, you got to stick with it, and you can't be like a deer in headlights. So a lot of times, you know, if, it's, if, if the match continues with that talent that's injured, and you just let him continue, um, that's not good, and that's that falls on you. So a lot of times, you have to look after them and know when they're when they're hurt and when they can't continue. You yeah. got to make that call and say, "Hey, I know you really want to do this match right now. I'm going to look out for your best interest. Mm. You're going to get some help from medical. You might be out four weeks, six weeks, whatever it may be, but your career is going to continue. Correct. And you're going to, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Gotta, that's on the referee, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, absolutely. And there'd probably be nothing more scary than walking backstage after after refing a match like that. And just seeing Triple H or Vince just staring you down like you know you're in trouble by one of those guys. <laughs> that'd be oh, yeah. that'd be absolutely oh, terrifying. Yeah, that'd be the last time you walk down that ramp. Yeah, I was gonna say that maybe the last time too for you. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and you mentioned you mentioned the COVID crisis and um, real quick, how, how hard is it to perform? I know um, at the performance center, you know they have those uh, um, kind of like the hockey glass. Uh, fiberglass yeah. or whatever. Um, there are there are people. Obviously, that's talent watching around the ring. But how hard is it to go from uh, you know a full crowd at, at full cell to um, you know completely empty? How 
how hard is that for you? How hard is it for talent? And, um, you know, is it something you guys are, are used to now after, you know, six, seven, eight weeks of, or whatever of, um, you know, NXT without it? Yeah, it's incredibly difficult, and especially at first, uh, just because there was not a single soul in the audience. Gosh. And so, you know, we, you know, wrestlers just like you know other athletes. A lot mm. of times, you know, we go off the crowd noise and the adrenaline, absolutely, and stuff. And when that's not there, every especially in a physical contact sport like wrestling mm -hmm. or, or or UFC, whatever. Everything hurts a whole lot more, man. And so, you know, everything hurts way more. And then, you know, for, for referees, when we're doing these big counts, you know, there's not a crowd counting with us. And, and just, you know, noise for television communication. And, and for, for me, the big, the big change for me that's been difficult is just the, the somewhat of a routine just being thrown out the window. You know, I was used to, like, every day going to the performance center and then we – you know, three or four live events that we'd have a week where, we, you know, we'd drive to the town, set up the ring, you know, the the whole deal, fly to another town, you know, find a gym, just the whole routine of, of, of travel and doing live events in different towns in front of different people and seeing what different people enjoy, what they don't enjoy, just mm -hmm. that, the whole routine being sucked away was a little difficult for me. Yeah. But, you know, like, like always, man, WWE adapts and, They've done a fantastic job. You know, they've, they've recreated, they've definitely gone outside the box and recreated the wheel in a lot of instances, so, you know, with the Boneyard match and with the match with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Organo that yep. we did at, uh, yeah, this past April and just kind of everything. Go ahead. No, I, I wasn't saying anything. I think it cut out for a second. Gotcha. Yeah, just, you know, shooting matches more, you know, in a, in a cinematic format during some of the special big matches, you mm -hmm. know, and then, uh, it's been great to have our our PC talent and our rookies in the audience now. A because it provides some noise and some feedback, you know. Absolutely. So that's good. But another good thing for them is there's almost no better, uh, you know, film study or skull session or whatever that you can have than being right there live Man, and watching watching the big dogs do it and Absolutely. seeing how they do it. You know, I mean, and so they get to they get the absolute best best education that they can just being there you know it's long days because we're doing you know take multiple episodes of television and stuff but Correct. It's, it's incredible for them and um and, and for me like i've been able to kind of appreciate a lot of other jobs that make the make the machine run you know just like seeing like the photography guys how they you know they slide they, they slide discs to each other and change out and they instantly upload pictures from the matches and the mm -hmm. way the lighting guys work and everything you know stuff that i knew knew about before but you you know you really get to take the time and be like oh wow I can, okay i see how yeah. these guys how these guys contribute how these guys contribute like this is awesome absolutely you know? but, that um, that's so fascinating to me I, I would love to next time i'm at a raw or something just be able to watch that it's it's hard to take eyes off the ring of course when um yeah. you know it's just loaded loaded roster there's so much talent on the roster um yeah. you know it's just it's hard to think about oh gosh i want to watch this guy and this guy and but, um, you know, next time I'm there, I, I really want to pay attention to that stuff because that stuff fascinates me just as much as, you know, the talent in the ring. Um, and you made Absolutely. a good point. You made a good point about these guys. Um, you know, like you you can watch film all you want, uh, but if you're not up there, you know, witnessing it firsthand, um, you know, it, it's it's really hard to take away a lot of stuff. And, you, you know, like yep. it's kind of like at the ballpark, you know, at a, at a baseball game or whatever when you're, you know, you you have this, you know, the smell, the sound, the 
everything yes. that a ballpark is, um, you, you can't get that from home sitting and watching. So I'm sure it's, it's the same for the talent that are trying to learn from the big dogs, like you said, um, like an Adam Cole, um, you know, without being up there like they are now. I think that was a, a huge addition um, for the talent and for, you know, at least on TV, you can kind of see people there and it starts to feel yes. like, okay, we're coming out of this hopefully. And, um, you know, that it just makes it more real to me. Um, yep. you know, and even with, like I said, I, I hate bringing up baseball, but that's the only sport el- other sport on right now. And watching games without fans just doesn't, you know, it's like, gosh, I, you know, I, even if it was lower bowl full uh, and the upper bowls closed, it would just feel more like baseball. And it, I'm starting yeah. to get that feeling watching wrestling. Like, okay, there's people there. It feels it feels legit now, and I can't wait to see right. full arenas again. Just like you know, everybody listening, of course. Yeah, man. It, oh, I can't wait either. Man. <laughs> I, just, I can't wait for things to open up. Oh man, it, it, it'll be it'll be incredible. And you know what? I got like I'm so proud of WWE because like through through everything, you know, we did. The company did everything they could to to keep the show fresh, to keep the show going. Absolutely. Um, you know, I know there's been critics of it, and they're welcome to that, and that's totally fine. Uh, but I, you know, just the people that have worked endless hours to make sure that there's there's something at home for people to watch. It's been incredible. You know, there's no no live events anymore, so now you know television is our main focus, and mm-hmm. and so it's been you know it's it's been interesting, and it's you know uh, you know grateful to be working for a company that that pushes forward, man. Yeah, and they've done an incredible job. It's not the product, the wrestling, the in-ring stuff, the announcing has all still been um, incredibly on point, and it's just been been really cool to to watch. It. You know, I mean that it's a struggle for everybody in everyday life now with with work and. Um, just to see, like you said, them adapt is is pretty phenomenal. Um, you mentioned you mentioned a couple names. You mentioned Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, who are a couple names that you uh, would say, guys? This is who you should look out for. These guys are or girls. I mean, the the women's division is loaded now too, and um, it always really has been. But I think that they're obviously with the with the main event a couple years ago being a, a women's match. Um, there's the talent in the women's division is just as loaded. So, so maybe, maybe say a few names that us, um, even me, I could be, um, watching out for the, the next guy you think. Absolutely. So in NXT, I think Bronson Reed has a lot of promise. He's Absolutely. kind of starting to make a name for himself. Um, he, he did, he did well in the independent circuit coming up and, uh, and I think he had a great showing last week in a triple threat. I, I got to be the ref for it. Uh, he, he was in there with Johnny Gargano and Roderick Strong. Oh, wow. Who are, you know, two of the best pound for pound yeah. in, in the whole entire world. And he hung with them. And uh, So I think Bronson Reed has definitely has some promise. Uh, there's another guy who isn't necessarily signed with us full-time, but he's made some appearances as, as an extra talent. Leon Ruff. I think he's somebody to look out for. And okay. also Liam, Liam Gray and Anthony Alanis. Those, mm. are, those are guys who have appeared on our TV that – I think they're on the come. They're on the come up. They work for Evolve, who who is you know kind of a sister company of ours. Yep. And, yeah, they, they've done really well. So, um, and, and then as far as the women's side, man, our women's division is stacked. Yeah, it is. Shotzi Blackheart's. She's, oh yeah. She's something special, and uh, Indy Hartwell as well. I mm-hmm. think she's going to be somebody special. That as far as as far as NXT's people to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's uh, well answered. I, a few of those I was hoping you would name because. I sit here like, oh my gosh, this guy's legit or this woman's legit. Um, yep. 
So that those would be on my list for sure as well. So um, real quick in closing, a, a couple more points we wanted to cover. Uh, again, this can be as quick or as long as you want to make it. Um, there, there's a, a verse in the Bible that I I love, and it's about boast. It's about boasting and how you know if we are to boast, boast that we um, you know boast in the name of God and and that we're His children. And and I can't. And that's just a paraphrase. But but. Um, I, I'll never shy away from that, and you don't either in your faith. And I and I have respected that since I you know knew about you. And um, tell me how hard that is, or how easy it is, um, you know, for you to be that open and um, you know, knowing like you said earlier, philosophically there may be some differences in the business as as in everywhere. Um, sure. You know, how tough is that? Do you guys do you guys have chapel? Are you able to? Um, you know, talk to these guys and girls, and what is that like? If you don't mind answering that. Oh, I would absolutely love to, man. And it's it's not difficult at all. Like I I I know who I am. Like I'm a child of God, and I have confidence in that. That, that you know, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and He died for my salvation, and I for, will forever be grateful for that. Like a few a handful of years ago, I recommitted my life to Christ. Mm. Just really, I went from. From just being, you know, just believing in Christ to to being a follower of Christ, absolutely. He went to the, he went to the top of my list, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and I I knew, you know, that it wouldn't be easy. You know, obviously, you know, the Bible says we will have trials, correct? But take but take heart because He has overcome the world, absolutely. And and, uh, and I know that when I go through storms, I can always take it to God, and I know He's with me and He's got a plan for me as long as I pursue Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, he, he'll have plans for me to prosper in one way or another. It might not be the way that I want, but it's the way that, you know, it's whatever God has in store for me. Completely so, agree. Um, it, you know, there there are some challenges that pop up, you know, like a lot of times when we're traveling and, and some guys might want to go out to go out and go down to a hotel bar or whatever that may be. But, but I, and I, um, you know, A is, a, is a, a man of faith and B is a, as a recovering addict recovering addict alcoholic like i know i can't put myself in that situation yeah some guys get can but i just not to say that anything will happen but i don't even want to chance it so uh you know in the book of proverbs the proverbs 423 it says guard your heart above all else mm-hmm. for determine for it determines the course of your life and so i know that i have to guard my heart i have to guard and a part of guarding my heart is guarding my eyes guarding my ears guarding what could you know guarding what i'm around absolutely you know, outside the ring so there's there's challenges per se in, in that way like you know a lot of times like i'm the boring guy like i'll just go up to my room and read watch old wrestling and fall asleep after the show you yeah know? <laughs> absolutely so, that, that's okay and i'm totally cool with that uh-huh. um, and as far as fellowship with other believers at, at nxc we on wednesday mornings we have a um we have a bible we have a bible study a men's group uh some of the other brothers from NXT, like Bobby Fish, and then uh, yep. Jackson Riker, who's on SmackDown, mm-hmm. Road Dog, Shawn Michaels pops in from time to time, the other referees, Daryl, D.A. Brewer, uh, you know, a couple other guys, Cesar Bonani, they, they, we, you know, us and some guys from uh, from our different churches that we attend, or some different guys here in Orlando, yeah. we, we, we gather every Wednesday morning for an hour, we drink coffee, and we jump into whatever the verse of the day is on the Bible app. And we just kind of dive into that. And we just talk about how God's working in our lives. So, um, you know, sometimes sometimes there's a, you know, there might be 10 or 12 guys there. Sometimes there might be, you know, two or three. But, hey, God says we're two or three gathered in his name. He's uh, with us. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, there is some fellowship there that we have outside of work. And then uh, the, 
Almost every show or TV taping, almost. I mean, there's times where things get hectic or, you know, but almost every single show, live event or TV taping, uh, me and one of the referees, or me and a couple of the referees, we'll just, we'll just gather and, and, and pray over our show, pray over our performers, mm. praise God's will over us, and just and most of all, we want to take the opportunity to thank God for giving us the talents to be able to do what we do and, and um, you know, put on a good show for the fans and that we would remember to always, always give him the glory and the honor and praise uh, for what he's allowed us to do. So, um, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm very blessed, man, with what God's done in my life. That's that's awesome, man, and I appreciate you answering that question. Unfortunately, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I know are believers that have a, a hard time talking about it and not being not shying away from that and being proud of of that and and like i said if there's ever a time to be boastful it's it's in that and um you know i'm incredibly i'm incredibly blessed as well and it is awesome to hear that part of of this interview i think you know that was my favorite part of it for sure but um before we let you go last thing a you can't really mention other competition i won't even i won't even say the name but there is competition um you know another uh uh, league, if you will, I think they use that word on their uh, on their promo commercials. <laughs> um, Wednesday night dynamite is the you know is the is the show. H- how is that? Does that help you guys kind of say, look, we've got to elevate every single Wednesday night? Um, obviously, I know that they're they're taped um, right now, and uh, but how does that how does that affect um, everything in ring? How you prepare? How the talent prepares, knowing that you know what at any given moment somebody could just flip the channel, um, you know, to the other product. How does that? Is that even a thought? First of all, and if so, um, how tough is that to kind of get over? I, I have uh, friends that work there, and I wish them absolutely the best. Absolutely. But for, for for me, and, and I'd like to think that I speak for a large number of our of our locker room. Mm-hmm. I. We we've always kicked it up on Wednesday nights. Like before before there was another another company running. You know I don't think we need competition to kind of bring our A game. Okay. I, we're we're aware of it obviously, and we want to put on the best show that we can. And um, but we're we're kind of focused on running our race. You know what I mean the race is set before us. Yeah. And, um, you know it, it's it's not necessarily something that's like we have to overcome or anything. I think we just we do business the way that we the way that we do it, and we put out the best show that we can and. You'd be surprised at how how little it's actually talked about. That's amazing, and I and yeah. and too knowing that Triple H kind of runs that thing, he's yeah. I mean he's probably the least intimidated guy in the world. Like he's like we're gonna keep doing our thing. That's just yeah. I've never met the guy, but that just seems how he how he is. Like look, yeah, we can yeah. You know, there can be ten other you know there can be competition on ten other channels, but we're gonna keep doing us and we're gonna be watched because they've you know we've always been watched. Is that is that kind of like him? Yeah, yeah, in a sense, very much so. And you know, and I think they're being more out there. It's great, obviously, for for the for the market, for you know the talent. But it's incredibly great for the fans. You know, Absolutely. I mean, there's so much there's so much for them to be able to watch. And you know, pro pro wrestling was. I, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's the only thing that didn't entirely shut down for a period. Of time. Uh, no, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, even UFC canceled some stuff, right? So <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. It just goes goes to show you, man. Like we're we're, we're determined and dedicated, and uh, you know I, th- I I do think it's great. And um, you know, hey, when we have good numbers, we have good numbers. And but if not, man, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't shake us. We're we're in it for the long term. 
Well, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on. And, and I, like the listener, am just kind of sitting back enjoying everything and, and all this new knowledge. Obviously, some of this stuff I know and, and listeners may know if they've you know followed wrestling and, and stuff as, as long as I have. But um, I learned a lot from this personally and, and uh, an incredible interview. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate the time. Hey, Luke, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, who knows down the line, um, you know, we've had a couple guests come back and um, we'd love to have you back on here uh, after the COVID crisis when we're back and hopefully you're back in front of 76,000 again at the Superdome. Oh, that'd be amazing. You know what? I would love to come to your home state of Colorado when uh, when the opportunity is there. Absolutely. And if, if so, and you need extra talent, I don't mind taking a – you know, uh, an F5 on the mat. Of <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. That was Drake Wirtz with the NXT product of the WWE.